Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. The Umbilical Brothers aren't actually brothers, but the comedy bond between Australians Shane Dundas and David Collins has lasted for three decades and taken them all over the world with their dynamic duo act that mixes clowning, slapstick, sketch, and stand-up. They performed on Late Night for Letterman and Leno, after James Brown at Woodstock 99 for the Queen of England, and most recently on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. The Umbilical Brothers have a month-long run of Speed Mouse Resqueaked, an updated version of their 2004 show playing in New York City at Theater 80, where I caught up with the fellows to find out how they've stuck together this long. So let's get to it! So Shane and David, we're at Theater 80, where you have the month-long run of uh, Squeak Mouse Resqueak. Well, well, we'll see about that, Sean. Um, uh, so we're, here, we're hopefully here for a month. If people come and see us, we're here for a month. And if they don't, you'll stay longer? You'll stay until we'll they come? Stay. We will we're stay. Gonna... Like a stand-up comedian, we will stay up there until they respond. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have been... Okay, so you met in 1988, yep. as legend has it, and it's 2017. So you're in year 30. I'm just going to see how much of our Wikipedia, uh, Wikipedia which, record. There's a lot of <laughs> shizer on there. Sure. Well, you're, the Wikipedia has many citations needed. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's not verified. <laughs> right. have, but, we, have we put any of the citations on Wikipedia? I haven't touched No, yeah. someone else did. But if, if legend in lore is to be believed, you've been working together 30 years. Well, that's that includes acting school. So right. we, we met, and the plan was to become serious actors, and that plan went awry. Uh, and here we are. Horribly wrong or horribly right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but 30 years, I mean, that's longer than actual family businesses stay in business. Yeah. You're just brothers in name. Yeah, no, my, my, no my family has a, has a bakery uh, uh, on the Gold Coast in Australia, mm-hmm. and... Yeah, no, my brother has sacked my sister and my father. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's true. Them? Yeah, you're true. Yeah, you fired them both. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you, you correct, Sean. Never uh, work you... with... That's the secret. We are not blood relations. That's why we can continue to work together. Okay. Unlike David's blood relations. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have been fired a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you met while serious acting school. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was acting school. I mean, you did... You do a little sorts, sorts of, of everything, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, your work suggests some, you've also uh, done some some schooling in the art of clowning, perhaps? No. No. No, no, no. no we, formal clown training. Well, that, that's another thing, you know. There's there's what people might describe as mime in this show, but mm-hmm. we it's not really... People we, have called us cocks before, but lecoq, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, people have accused us of studying at lecoq, but uh, we have not. Yeah, we've, we did, I think, two weeks of mime class in acting school, and people have misappropriated that and decided that we can mime. But we, right. We're just, we're just good at imagining things in our hands. Well, that's why I, I suggested clown school and not mime. Yeah, right, it, right, it right. It seems more out of the and, Well, I, I'm the sort French of, we're, we're reluctant to admit Florida. it. Florida. French we, or Florida clowns. Yeah, the Florida clowns. That's uh, Ringling Brothers. They, oh, yeah. is it? Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. We do get um, 
a lot of clowns uh, liking our work. Mm-hmm. So maybe we are clowns by default, but not by intention. You know? Sorry, where in Florida? Uh, Sarasota. Oh, okay. No, I don't know. Although the circus is shutting down this year. So that, I did that family that, yeah. business is really? also going out. Yes, That's it. Oh. Once they got rid of the elephants, it seems mm-hmm. everything... Yeah, right. That was kind of the back, this the hidden backbone to it all. I was still using you, animals. You just you just pretend to be elephants at times. <laughs> well, we can you know we can put whatever we damn well want on the stage, and it's up the up to the audience to uh, fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Basically, we, are, we, are, we do play dinosaurs in this show, don't we? Is it the dinosaurs? Yeah, hyper intelligent alien dinosaurs make an appearance in this show, um, and I think that's the only time we get to play different characters. In this show. Well, you create many characters on stage that are uh, imaginary, but you, we hear their voice. In fact, there's one a section of this show which is just awesome. It's the audience are watching a completely blank stage and they're watching a mimed character mime. It, it's, he, he does some <laughs> classic mime pieces and it's just, it's an empty stage for, it's got to be two minutes mm-hmm. that the yeah. audience are actually applauding to, laughing at, and they're watching nothing. Uh, that's what I love. They're willing to watch nothing. Uh, quite happily and enjoy it. They're filling in the blanks with their their heads. What inspires the both of you to take risks like that? It's just what amuses us, really. It's all just come from that. It's just come from goofing off Mm -hmm. in in drama school. So what's what's the prescribed behavior? What's not the prescribed behavior? Let's try that. So what is the last thing you should be doing right now is kind of the basis for for, uh, the detours we take so uh the mime what's the last thing you should do with mime add a soundtrack so that's that's what we've done that that's the purest example of it you know it's just it's just fooling around with what you're expected to do uh it's that's comedy, really, isn't it? Yeah. Come on, John. Yeah. Yeah. You're a comedian, weren't you? <laughs> Are you? you I'm a journalist. Performing? You're a journalist. Who once performed, so I know, perform, yeah. yes, I know yes, the, the, the agony and the ecstasy. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And, and the basis for comedy is inappropriateness. Like, what is the thing you shouldn't be doing right now? Let's see if we can explore that. It, was that the initial common bond that you've, you found with each other while at Dramatic? Dramatic acting school. Uh, the initial common bond was Jackie Chan, I would say. Okay. Uh, we used to go and see Jackie Chan movies in the weekend, and then uh, now we're now we're now we're somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, because that is there he, is an art. He's won an Oscar, and now he's he's up there's there. There's an art to it. There's a there's a physic. Yeah. Not just the stunt work, but there's oh. a physicality of the slapstick. Yeah, it's, it's a really it's a and ballet. It's, yeah. it's a it is a ballet, and and the eighties films, which is what we went to see, those mm-hmm. Hong Kong films were hyper frenetic uh you know don't worry about the narrative too much it's the sequences and and they there's it's all about timing and jackie's work is all about timing it's like a musical or a dance number it's bang 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 but we don't notice that only he knows that that's right. going on they talk about clowns it's one of the classic clowns of all time right. jackie chan mm. yeah like the drunken the Drunken Master? Is that yeah, that's right. Done, Sean. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> so, so once you, you kind of fall in love with Jackie Chan and then start to uh, be inspired by that well, on all stage... Of that, all, of those sh- all of those films... Sorry, I'm just... This is me talking. Uh, all of those films, they would, re- they would film the whole thing without a soundtrack, without mm-hmm. anybody... Sp- and all of the soundtrack would be, would be added afterwards. And so we would come back to... The um, 
lecture hall at the at drama school, and uh, and we would create our own scenarios where, and put a soundtrack over an over the top Jackie Chan soundtrack over the top, and it was and it was hilarious to us and so we just did it in front of so it's that people base it started with that base but you mix in other influences like uh airplane the movie airplane Mm -hmm. monty python uh steve martin's stand-up which is kind of uh deconstructing stand-up you know his early stand-up um throw those things into the mix uh old looney tune cartoons which are kind of the more psychotic ones the early ones it all just falls into this mix now, in the late 80s, early 90s in, in Sydney and in Australia as a whole, what was, was the comedy theater scene receptive to that? Or, or were oh, to you, us? Yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was just fairly straight stand-up that we were so different from anything else that had happened that, it, that we stood out like dog's balls. And, and the same when we went to Edinburgh in 94, we, um, there was nothing like us there so it was just very easy to be different and to um and to stand out uh, amongst hundreds and hundreds of shows were there even other duos or was it there, either it, either solo stand-ups or, or sketch groups it's and um, then you were yeah, kind of yeah. an anomaly as a there were a two man high wire yeah. <laughs> yeah a few duos doing sketch work yeah mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there have always been a few in australia and a, and a number in england double acts as they call them over there uh, yeah, but, I've talked with the Pajama Men, who are oh, American, yeah. but they do most of their yeah. touring in Australia or England. Well, yeah. We're Australian, we get most of our touring outside of us. Yeah, we, most of our work comes from traveling around the world. Mm. Australians are sick of us. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that David mentioned, um, you know, we, 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 the audiences liked us because we were different. Mm-hmm. Because there'd be stand-up, 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 stand-up. We started out in uh, open mic nights in clubs and stand-up, 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 stand-up. Something different! Stand-up, stand-up, stand-up. So the stand-ups didn't necessarily like us, but uh, <laughs> but the audiences did just because it was a detour from you know from what else was happening. Uh, we, won, that... we won a stand-up competition on our second ever live performance. We did one. We had four, one five-minute routine. We did it at this um, place called the Harold Park Hotel, which was a stand-up venue. A friend of ours was a stand-up comic, and then pff, very soon after that, there was a stand-up com- competition. We we performed and we won. Yes, the stand-ups didn't like us winning a stand-up competition. <laughs> Most of we we were falling down a lot, but we won. <laughs> we won one ticket to LA. It was the because it was a stand-up uh, Yeah, I was going to ask what the prize was. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what did you, so what did you decide to do with that one ticket to L.A.? We, we decided to save up for a second ticket to L.A. How long did that take? Not long, because we went... Well, there was a show called Star Search. You have Star Search yes. here, right? There was Star Search started in Australia and, uh, and they had a comedy section. And, we, and they said, if you win, you win $1,000. And we went, okay. So we had a five-minute routine, so we went on that show and we won. And we went, thanks. And, we're, and they said, we'll see you next week. And But no one had told us that if we won, we had to keep coming back. We only right, won. the returning champion. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh okay. but if you only had that one only five, five minutes. Routine. So then for the next, you know, whatever, we must have gone on that show at least nine times. I, I, don't know, I actually had, don't know how many times we were on there, but it was a lot. We would invent a routine to go on national television. There was only four stations in Australia, so a lot of people were watching. We would invent our five-minute routine the morning of or the night before filming. And for the whole 
thing. I think we did. We that. kept, yeah, you know, <laughs> we'd, we'd kind of win again. They go, see you next week. And we went, oh, oh shit. We've got to come back <laughs> oh, again. Sorry. All right, let's invent something else. He won again. Oh, oh my okay. God. Okay, so we, this this just forced this style on us in a way. It just kept us going in this weird direction. Right, it's a luxury problem. Yeah, isn't yeah. It? it wasn't the plan. Where your your beginner's luck forced you to develop an act. Yeah, yeah. and a style, a particular yeah. style. And there's nothing like a um a an appointment to get to. You know, there's nothing like um deadlines. Deadline. Mm-hmm. We only, I mean, our first show, Two Coats and a Hat Stand from Hell Part Two, we just booked a theatre. And we just had to invent a show in two weeks, uh, and it worked. It was was great. It was was really good. And that's and now our manager even does the same. He just books a theatre when we need a new, when he needs a new show or we mm-hmm. need a new show. He books a theatre and he just tells us that we've got to come up with a new show. Right, because I've seen the act before, so you need to. And do he something. knows, yeah, and he knows what's. And the, and the last time, I think we tried to cancel, and he said, "I know what I knew. I know." I'm not cancelling because he, he knew that that's what was going to happen. So we just came up with a show. Some some people are like that no matter their profession. They need they, yeah, they need a deadline. They need to yeah, be, you know, the pressure. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah. Even up to coming up to showtime, I'm I I need to not quite be ready thirty seconds before mm-hmm. the show, and something needs to not quite be ready. So I need to be in that headspace. So being on national television so quickly as a duo. Mm. Did you not have to have day jobs or any of that ilk? Or? Oh, so, yeah, we've been doing this for 26 years. That's right. all we've been doing. Yeah. And were you also, like, in Melbourne the first year? Or did that have to no, wait? That took a couple of years to do the comedy festival mm-hmm. down there. Uh, living in Sydney, uh, maybe two or three years to get to Melbourne Comedy Festival. Yeah, I festival. can't remember when the next... When the yeah, 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 yeah. And then 94 was the first Edinburgh, as, as David mentioned, and that... that just led to other international stuff because there are just people swarming around Edinburgh looking for unusual things. Yeah, before the, before the end of the festival in 94, we had been... I think we were flown to Japan. Didn't they fly us to Japan? Yeah. I can't even remember what that was, but it was like... An, was that Monkey? Yeah, it was Monkey. Oh, that was Monkey, right. Did you ever get a show called Monkey here? Monkey Magic. Monkey... No. no. <laughs> okay. So, you know, the, have you heard of the journey to the I, West? I only know of the Upside Down Kids from Wikipedia. Uh, right, yeah, 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 right. But that's uh, because I'm older, so okay. I wouldn't have been watching... So there's this Chinese legend, Kids Journey TV. to the West, mm-hmm. which is about this monk going to India to get some scrolls, and he's got the monkey god with him. Okay. And a couple of demons. It's a famous Chinese story. It's been made into blockbuster movies in China and stuff. But there was this Japanese TV series based on monkey and the, and the monk and mm-hmm. these demons... And it was dubbed really weirdly into English by English people in the 80s. And it was pretty funny because they just kind of dubbed whatever they thought they wanted onto this right. show. So uh, the original meaning was lost half the time. But we loved that show. So it was like a version of Mystery Science Theater. Yeah, kind of like that. Kind of like that. And, and we, Although not as deliberate. They're kind no, of accidentally being... Yeah. These guys shoehorned. Uh, we're very clever, I think. Mm-hmm. And we got flown to Japan to be on this TV show out of nowhere. And the guy who played Monkey was on the TV show we, that we kind of grew up with. So he sang the theme song to him, yeah. Um, uh, but by the end of the Edinburgh Festival, you know, the next, um, you know, half a year was just booked up with with, with gigs mm-hmm. around the place. And then it just didn't stop from there. But that first trip to Los Angeles, where yeah. you had the one ticket that you won yeah. in the contest... Yeah. 
and then saved up for the other ticket. Well, we went. We went to LA and we stayed in a dodgy hotel on Sunset. And was, um... we we stayed in one dodgy hotel, yeah. and then we went to another. We said this this is too dodgy. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's no, go to the no. other one. Let's yeah. this there's another one up the street. And we said we've just moved hotels. And he said, which one have you come from? That one. And he said, oh man, they got roaches. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for the gift. Um, <laughs> And we did a spot at the comedy store on their open mic night. Okay, and that was surreal. It was like being in a David Lynch. What year was that? Was that before Edinburgh? That must have been before Edinburgh. Ninety-one. Ninety-one. Yeah, yeah. And so it was the first time we had the bling, 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 and the guy at the piano. Yeah, here's a couple of couple of guys from Australia. They're pretty funny. We hear here they are, the Umbilical Brothers. Guy playing the piano. What's going on? I have no idea what's going on. And it happened last night. And then. So, since the only I think the only time this happened since '91 was last night at the Slipper Room in, on, in New York. Oh, um, a piano. Um, yeah, Tuesday night. It's sweet. Yeah, 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 the sweet show. But that guy knows. Yeah, he's he's kind he of aware. Seth he, yeah, yeah, he knows what he's doing. You know. Mm-hmm. But these guys, this guy in the comedy was, store Julian was just piano on last night. Yeah, okay. Walk on stage at the comedy store, pick up the mic, it just falls to pieces in my hand. <laughs> so I had to do the whole yeah, act. Classic rookie mistake. Yeah, right? holding <laughs> the microphone together yeah. while we did the act. Oh. And yeah, it was just an open night. No, you know, there was four people in the audience. Who cares? But uh, yeah, we we said we were, we were, we're from Australia. We're funny. Can we? And they they didn't, weren't listening. How long did it take to come back to America, but with more purpose? Ninety nine. It took us to ninety nine. Yes. What took so long? If you're doing Edinburgh in '94, uh, I think an American producer saw us in '97, and then asked us to come, and it took it that, that that long to to get here. Yeah, and and Edinburgh tends to lead to Europe. Edinburgh doesn't tend to lead to uh, the US. I think it possibly does more now, but mm-hmm. back then it was more of a, a a stepping stone to Europe, going all over Europe. Right. I mean the the whole comedy. St- the global comedy scene was different in the '90s, before, oh. before YouTube and yes. united us all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no I've talked to so many American acts who have become global acts thanks to YouTube. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. It, it gives them an entree to, to countries they never thought they could perform. Well, in. We'd never, so we'd never been to Lithuania. We went there and did two nights of 900 people. Uh, you know, we'd never been there. We'd never been to Poland. Went there, saw that. It's YouTube. That's what that was. Yeah. So 99 also was, and this is even in your legitimate biography, not just Wikipedia, you performed at Woodstock. Yep. The yeah. the bad Woodstock. The bad Woodstock. Yeah. Not the good Woodstock yeah. no, in 94, the, the bad Woodstock. one we were in 99. We were the reason it went on the yeah. <laughs> No, I thought it was Limp Bizkit <laughs> yeah. that, that got the blame for that. Yeah, yeah. we went, uh, have you heard of this, our story? We, no, I haven't we, heard we your had, story. We had what day? The what? Be- one of the best gigs of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the worst gigs of our lives within you know half an hour of each other. We went on the we went on the east stage mm-hmm. after James Brown in front of a hundred thousand people on in with a routine that we invented in the trailer before. Where I can't, it was like just it, <laughs> another went, one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we invented. You know, we thought we can't really go and just do us. We'll just go on as drug inspectors, and we just sort of came up with this routine. Killed, absolutely killed. It was brilliant. 
then we were driven to the west stage and there there wasn't a hundred thousand there was only i don't know a few thousand there and there was um it wasn't james brown it was more rockier sort of Mm -hmm. thing and we unwisely decided to just try one of our old mime routines Who'd have thought that some heavy rock fans were not there to see mime? I think, but, you even, know, in hindsight yeah, and probably even, foresight. Yeah, I think even this, this, the, the, the other one probably wouldn't have worked with that. Uh, with what we did on the East stage, probably wouldn't work. They didn't want to see anything like that. Rich Voss, Rich Voss was uh, was was emceeing, and I, okay. remember, I on the saw, West stage or the East on stage. On the West stage, yeah. and I actually I, we saw him just recently in um, Rotterdam, and I went, "Oh my God, it's you! Do you remember?" <laughs> he creeped. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! We died, we died. But uh, yeah, we so we killed and we died, and then it all evened out. Well, how do you transition? Oh, um, and the worst thing was Mm -hmm. that on that the the producers, because we killed so well on the east stage, they decided to televise the west stage. The only thing that was televised was us dying. (laughs) (laughs) Pay per view right across the states. Let's watch them die. Well, I mean, I've talked to so many comedians who perform as opening acts at just regular concert tours. But I can't imagine. Most comedians say that performing outside during the day terrible, is yeah. the worst. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But how do you transition from like even the the gig that killed James Brown, and now from Australia, the Umbilical Brothers? Mm. And I think Richard just asked all the women to show their gazoingas too, just before we came. Is on that an Australian to... euphemism? Gazoingas. Uh, breasts. Show the breasts. Yeah, I think that was his. Uh, that was his warm up for us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Show us your tits, and now here's some funny guys from Australia. Yeah, yeah. What what kind of introduction do you get? Do you get for the Queen of England? Well, uh, that was the Royal Variety performance. Okay. So they, I don't know who these people are, but the Queen sends out her scouts mm-hmm. uh, looking for entertainment for her for this yearly spectacular, which is the Royal Variety thing. And they go all around Edinburgh, and they saw us doing a show in Edinburgh, and they said, hey, can you do that thing you did in Edinburgh for the Queen? And so we were in a, in this lineup that included... Uh, Slash? Slash from Guns N' Roses. Uh, who was hosting it? Balpinga! Hit a bun! Oh, Shirley Bassey Shirley was Bassey. singing oh, in yeah. it. So people like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ozzy Osbourne was there as well. It was this weird combination yeah. of acts. Um, and, how, I, and I got attacked by a nine-foot-high glove puppet in front of the Queen. On purpose? On purpose, oh, yeah. yeah that was the act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big, big screen and, and, and uh, it was a puppet that was being projected on the screen and, and David was fighting it. Yeah. What, what kind of say do you have in a show like that about where in the lineup you are? Absolutely none, Your Majesty. So where do you hope to be? Not first and not last, I'd say. And we weren't either, I don't think. That's but otherwise it doesn't matter if you're following Shirley Bassey or Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Well, Shirley Bassey... Either, either way is yeah. fine. She was last. For a segue. Shirley. Shirley sang last. Um, and we were all waiting in the wings to go on after Shirley sang for the final, you know, the pyros would go off, the pyrotechnics and things would come from the roof. <laughs> and we were all waiting in this queue to go on. And I could see that there was, there was the pyrotechnic uh, control panel right in the wing. And this, this uh, tuxedoed hand just came out and was feeling the pyrotechnic buttons and then was withdrew. 
And it, I realized it was uh, Andrea Bocelli, the blind opera singer, who was waiting to go on. <laughs> so he just he just felt out there and went, I shouldn't be touching these buttons in his hands. Something bad could have happened right. just then. Well, maybe he likes not Braille. Yeah. Maybe he was listening to her and like contemplating. Perhaps. Trying to f- change the will levels. I, fix yeah, the levels. Will I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sounds a little pitchy. Yeah. 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 Oh. Wow. Well, you know. I was going, I mean, I still am going to ask about your performance uh, just recently on Colbert, mm-hmm. but after listening to you, it all makes perfect sense that you would go on national TV once more and do something that was fresh from that day yeah. with the handshake mm-hmm. instead of doing an old bit. Instead, I mean, mm-hmm. there might have been old bits in there, I'm but sure but then you threw in no, they asked the Trump handshake thing mm-hmm. was... Yeah, people we were just talking about that that they, day. They were lovely. They were the, those Colbert. That was an absolute. They joy were really from nice. Beginning to end, but yeah. they did. You know, Vinny really he liked. He know he knew what he wanted, and he asked mm-hmm. for a Velcro world, which is pretty old for us. And mm-hmm. we kind of went, oh, okay, we'll do it for you. But as long can we do this and yeah. And so he was. He, right. he, he kind of had a wish list of bits that he wanted us to do. Okay. And so we. Uh, in conjunction with him, uh, modified it to fit the topicality of the day, which it worked out okay at that time. You know, there was something to play off. I guess there's always something to play off now. Yeah, that, right. well, luckily that, <laughs> now mean, there's always now something. every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. L- I mean, luckily that happened because th- they had picked you know a few different pieces and asked us to stitch it together, and that happened for Letterman, and and it, you know it wasn't our favourite television performance ever because uh, because it was we like to tell story when we do things on television actually we meant most of our stuff for tv so they have a beginning middle and end and they're about three to five minutes long long and that's doesn't hasn't happened on letterman or colby or in that theater the ed sullivan theater because they've asked for different things and asked us to stitch it right, to do a medley yeah, yeah. And, of, and, and when you have not, five and a half minutes, no flow to yes it. it's not what amazingly we though we we ran over and they kept the whole thing i mean that was really nice of them to to play the whole thing so we went over and what did you learn from the experience of doing the season of, of children's television that you can get weird with children's TV where you, you possibly should. can't get weird with grown-ups TV. There's the, you, can, you can do non-sequiturs and kids are going to love them where you may not be able to get away with that stuff for, for, for grown-ups. That's the advantage of kids' TV. And we can, when we walk down you know, the street now in America, because that played, we only did 13 episodes and it played for, for six years twice a day. And we walked down, you know, and we spent a year in New York as the Unbelievable Brothers doing a show called Thwack. Um, but still, we walked down the street here, and then people go, "Hey, it's the Upside Down Boys! Yay!" You know, we're the Unbelievable Brothers. I guess we're the Upside Down Show Boys as well. Mm. But the yeah. show, we, we, it was a conscious decision to put jokes in there for the grown-ups because those grown-ups are often forced to watch that show over and over again with the kids. We. We've got to have jokes in there for them, so it's, it, it hits people at different levels. Hopefully, did it did it make you hesitant at all to to try another TV show? No. Or if you do something, to do something completely different. Uh, we'd love somebody to give us uh, uh, some money to make a TV show. We have a, a, a few ideas, but um, in Australia, it's uh, we really should have just gone to America and asked somebody over here for for money but we keep asking Australian television and they're not as um, adventurous and well, they don't have the money well if you wait a couple more years those uh, those people who grew up watching oh, you yeah. will be old enough to they'll be, be executive somewhere be the executives, yeah, <laughs> some yeah. of them probably already yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
well, and also been doing a, a month long run here. Does do you try to inject spontaneity into it? Always each yeah, night for that sure. it's always yeah yeah. We've since got you're this... so the driving force for you guys seems to be the pressure of doing something different. Yeah, and the show it's is very carefully structured because it's got a yeah it's got a structure with an ending that's hopefully unexpected and so we're going to do all the stuff we're going to do but there's there's going to be space there's always space in there for us to to fool around and and there has to be because we'll go nuts otherwise but we know we know exactly what's going to happen mm -hmm. it may be just a slightly different route to get to it you know, in in terms of details of the show, and that's how all our shows grow that way. Are there other performers or artists that you kind of turn to for advice or inspiration when you're trying to figure out what to do next or no. how to keep how to keep pushing the ball forward? Not really. I mean, for our last show, we had a friend just sit in the audience and just sort of watch us invent things, and he's an improviser, so he was. He, that was that was really nice to sort of. We haven't really done that. Normally, it's just the two of us. Just um, we don't really rehearse. We sort of think about and talk about an idea, and then just do it in front of an audience. And if it laughs, it's working. And if they don't laugh, then it's not working. Don't do it again. I'll do it one more time. Do it one more time. If <laughs> no, it let's have one more. Look, I really like this. Let's try it one more time. <laughs> okay, three times. Maybe we should forget this about it. This time with feeling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And on the flip side, you know, starting out in comedy is so different now than it was in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm. So many comedians. There's now, you know, people don't need to go to uh, study the dramatic arts. They can go straight to a comedy school or they can they can start a web series on YouTube. There's comedy schools? Yeah. Huh. Mm. And so what would you what would you tell somebody the, if somebody comes up to you and asks you, hey, I want to I want to do what you guys then do it. Just make it up as you go along. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty easy. Make it up. Make sure it's what you think is funny and w not what you think other people might think is funny. I think uh, that's the the core of it because it has to be an expression of you. And I think every comedian, stand-up comedian, whatever, goes through phases in their own development where they try and, uh, I don't know about imitate, but be like certain comedians they admire but eventually they come out of it with their own voice and that's that's the end game you know it's you it's you what's what is it about you i mean we're very different because we're a duo i mean i met if i was if a stand-up i would say you know work with somebody i would say work with a director or find somebody that you trust and and work something out with them or just make sure you're on the right sort of track but it's easier with us because we can just, you know, we're just making each other laugh. And then I mean, yeah, you have that sounding board already. Yeah, yeah. and it's always Built good to in. have a sounding board. And it starts, I mean, a lot of comedians were funny people and they had sounding boards in their friends. They just weren't doing it professionally. And somehow a transition is made where you're doing it professionally and the world is your sounding board, which is a lot scarier. But it is always good to have someone who's who's sensibility you trust you know to to watch and listen and go that was great oh yeah i like what you're doing with that or that was a piece of shit yeah Don't that was shit. Again. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just again. get out of my you, get out of my sign i never thinking? want to see you again <laughs> oh okay uh well shane and david congratulations on uh still 
continuing to trust each other. Yeah. yeah. Not uh, not sacking each other and uh, putting the umbilical family out of business. We're not making huh? bread, so you know, the, <laughs> that would be the problem. <laughs> no, you're making... Uh, bread and butter. Let's hope. Yeah. Let's hope. <laughs> butter it, man. Uh, thanks, gents. Last year. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.